Welcome to The Edutainment Show, a podcast like no other where you'll find raw, insightful and authentic conversations with our digital influencer and entrepreneur friends. Presented by Guilt Free Media, I am your host, Natasha Vilaseka. Welcome to part two of the episode with Max Klemenko. For those of you who aren't familiar with him, Max runs a social impact agency and specializes in viral content. Throughout part two, we are going to be discussing his agency growth. So enjoy. Talk me through the birth of the agency because I want to speak about like a few things when it comes to that. But like from Accenture, we met, you were still working there. And then when we were still friends, like I came back after like a year. We are still, (laughs) no, but now we're best friends. We've like leveled up. Okay, cool. Um, So when we were like, it was like a year afterwards, you were then speaking about, oh, I might go and do my own thing. And then I remember because we, we were speaking like far apart, like we didn't speak a lot, a lot. So every time I saw you or like heard from you, mm. so much had happened, like so much had changed. What was the progression from Accenture to idea of the agency and like first steps? And then we'll go through the rest afterwards. Yeah. So I think that I had one of the worst ways of starting your first business, which was just falling into it, mm-hmm. like just stumbling upon it. Like I didn't have a mission. I didn't have like, it wasn't like purpose driven or I hadn't been ruminating on this my whole life. It was yeah. just like a bunch of companies asked me, can you do this and we will pay you? I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, okay. And it's like how to charge more yeah. instead of saying you're freelancers, say that you are an agency. Yeah. That's all. Uh, so it's like, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. Um, I'm not going to go into like the first clients cause there's a bunch of NDA stuff, but just if you random random connections, some from um, my own kind of networking, some from Accenture, but within uh, my contracts, I wasn't breaking anything. Um, And yeah, and I just kind of decided, okay, I'm going to do an agency then. And there are a few people that I look up to in advertising. I think that's where I was like, ooh, agency is kind of cool. And I remember we were pitching a certain platform and we lost the pitch. And I thought, you know, if I did this by myself, maybe I could have had better luck because I could see like, like this is so old, like we can do it differently. Um, so I think it was, yeah, just, I just saw market fit, service market fit. And I think for everyone who is like saying, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna do something of my own. Like just ensure that someone is out there to buy it before you, before you take the jump, because it's like, it's crazy how many people just don't, you know, the fact that you're excited about it doesn't mean shit. Like, like, okay, I get excited. It like join the juice tuna cardo sandwich, but like this, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, but then it doesn't mean like no one cares. Like it's yeah. all about like other people or businesses who are gonna buy it. Then once you know that, um, then it's it's kind of much easier. And now we have kind of, I guess, rebranded into a, a social impact agency, and that was mainly driven by the United Nations project and and that's kind of what we still dedicate tons of resources for, but now we're branching out to other things. And it's just kind of, I feel like I feel better about these projects. My team feels better about these projects. And it's also a very clear niche that I see, you know, within five years, we can win like cans lines for that work in that niche. Whereas if I think about competing with like Droga5 and like, all these people and like Sachi and Sachi, I don't know how to build that thing, but I know how to build this thing, Yeah, I think. And with, I wanna, before going back to like the projects that you're working on and the impact that you're making, building a team, like mm. 
you said the best way to be able to, well, one of the easiest ways to be able to start charging more is instead of being a freelancer, you're an agency. No, you just have to pretend you have a team. You don't have to build one. Did you have a team when you started positioning yourself as an agency? No. And at what point did you start? I, <laughs> yeah. the I did that for a while as well. For like the yeah. first few months, I was like, yeah, so my agency's going to handle it. And then I'm like messaging my friends. I can message like, um, <laughs> I was like, hey, so I actually have a client who needs a copyright. I've already told him that I've got like my team on it. Are you like free to take some work? And she was like, yeah. Um, for yeah. how long were you still operating alone as an agency, like delivering agency services before you started to hire? Well, actually, no. I had I had a uh, an editor straight okay. away, um, like from the very beginning. So there was someone who would would chop up content, um, so do like production, let's say. Mm-hmm. But in terms of strategy, it was just me. I never really positioned myself as a team necessarily. I just kind of like positioned myself as an agency, but no one ever asked. It's yeah. like. I think you overestimate, like, clients don't really care, like, how many people are working on this thing. Um, and also, like, I don't really let them see, like, the inside of our workload because sometimes it can be actually that more people than they think are involved, sometimes less than they think, but it shouldn't matter to them because everything that should matter is the work that we do. So when, for example, I'm asked about, like, oh, how many people are working, what's the hour split? Then there is a trick that I borrowed from Chris Doe, who does like um, his YouTube channel, also design agency called Blind over in the US. And he always says like, so let me get this straight. You want us to work longer on what you've asked for and you will pay us more for this to take longer. And it really works. Like, so when, when they ask for hourly split, it's like, I don't want to incentivize people doing nothing or wasting your time. Isn't speed important in your industry? Yes, then let us do it quickly. And then this is what we're worth. We are above market. Um, if you don't like that, then then go with someone else and you will come back to us. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. I've used that before in like a different way, I think, but that's a really good way How to put it. it. I said it in a way that wasn't as good as that. So I'm going to rewatch this and <laughs> yeah, take okay. your quote. But I think I used to say, um, so from our side, do you care more about the hours and the time it takes so you can like log that? Or do you care about the results? Because if I, if I can tell you that I can provide the same amount of results and take 10 hours or the same results and take 30, which one would you choose? And then they're like 10. I'm like, okay, cool. That's what I'm going to do. Um, so the time doesn't matter. Like we're going to do it and then we're going to deliver mm-hmm. and we're results driven. Um, and they seem to like get it. But I'm going to yeah, take your quote instead. Yeah, sounds like super salesy. But at the same time, like I think for people who are starting agencies, I think like... Think about what you're going to charge. Triple that. That's what you should charge. Yeah. A lot of people are scared though. Like I remember that when I start charging more, even now, like sometimes I get nervous where I charge a number and someone's like, yeah, sure, send it over. I'm like, I should have charged more. And that was already like a lot. And I was like, God damn it. And I said it in dollars instead of pounds by accident. And I was like, I should charge more. But you've got to remember as well that you can also, you can charge based on different things like LTV is one good thing so like what's the lifetime value of a customer or a client to you whether you're delivering like a product product or a service if somebody that you're working with a client to them is worth 10k Mm -hmm. you can charge 5k and it's Mm -hmm. still a 2x return on investment to them Mm -hmm. um and you can use those numbers in a sales process to take the salesy element out of it and just reduce it down to facts to kind of show people what it looks like and why you are worth that but also like people aren't charging enough so many people are undercharging themselves. And I think one thing that people bring up as a fear is 
they say, well, if I'm going to charge this much money, but someone on Upwork or Fiverr, like these freelancer websites can do the same thing, but like with a lower price tag, like why are they going to pay me? Mm. How have you been able to like position yourself to get these larger brands to trust you if it's not through word of mouth and referrals? Yeah. Okay. That's really great. So three things. Number one, um, like for example, that point about LTV, like, like we wouldn't even get into that. So for me, the explanation ends with, this is how much we charge for work like this, uh, for brands, organizations like yours, this is it. And like, okay, this is just how much we charge. Um, so there is that number two, like the question was around kind of how to get over the Upwork stuff. Like, um, I think for me, I kind of have a cheat code in a sense that, which is also kind of a pain in the ass because, um, a lot of the, a lot of the clients are looking for my expertise. So it's like, you know, the agency has my name and it's like, I'm very, very active in most of the projects. So it's very much like a manual kind of mode still. Um, and I get involved, like I don't necessarily micromanage, but I look over almost everything that goes out. Um, so it's like, it's like, for me, there is that element of like, I have managed to through like, through things like social media following through things like four degrees through things like X Accenture Droga five through things like a Ted talk, like that type of stuff to be like, you know, this, is this is my expertise that is worth this much amplified by my team. So you can't go and up work and find Schmack Schmilenko. Like it's not going to be the same person. Um, <laughs> so, so that's kind of how I, I think get out of that. Um, but also if someone can do it for cheap or not, like there's someone who can do it for cheaper all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but the third thing that I was going to say, <clears throat> I really like this uh, line. I don't know who said this, but pricing is positioning. So it's like your pricing is actually your key position in the market. So it's like, where are you going to be? <clears throat> are you going to compete with, because a lot of like small businesses, like small, you know, you know, I'm a small dry cleaners or like I'm a small agency. So we're going to charge small uh, budgets or like our costs are going to be small. It's like this is completely wrong because it's the big guys who can play in discounting. Mm -hmm. Like Asda and Lidl are going to be dropping prices as, as long as they can. And like as a small supermarket, your thing shouldn't be priced because you don't have, for example, you know, you can do, um, what, what is it called when you price price down because you have um, predator uh, pricing? Yeah, yeah predator right. pricing. When you like have so much budget that you can go below cost for a certain amount of time. For example, Uber, right? Predatory pricing, yeah. For example, Uber are, they rose a bunch of funds. They're competing with Lyft and Bolt. They have more money than Lyft and Bolt. So they charge less for a certain amount of time. So every single trip is their loss and they can do it because they're big. If you are small, you can't do it because the big guys can do it for much longer. So it's like, that's what I don't understand. So I think that if you are small, your thing, and you can read, uh, I think, Schumpeter, The Small is Beautiful. She's like a management thinker, really interesting. Then there is another book about like small companies. I can't remember the name. But yeah, I think that if you're small, you should go premium. So it's like you should go completely opposite way. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good advice. And there's so many different things I want to ask you about right now. Um, in terms of the agency, so I want to take it back to hiring for a second. Mm -hmm. How do you know when to hire? and which positions you need to fill, like when it comes to priority? 
Yeah, so it's very project based. Uh, and I'm really happy actually about that because for example, since we are talking about like positives and negatives, um, we have a large client who we were looking to lock in for 2022 and it was like a um, like a low low to mid six figure budget for 2022, mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty good because then for, for the agency you have that kind of ca cash flow. It's always good to know that, you know, there is this client for a long time because yeah. usually our projects is like three to six months. Mm -hmm. So having someone for a year is pretty good. Um, and then it was kind of almost locked in and then um, things changed, not necessarily that we did wrong with the client, but like as in they just went with a different direction. So <clears throat> it's like, for example, in that situation, I had to let three people go. Um, and if, I mean, this is going to sound really bad, but if I employed them, it would be much, it would be a long and difficult process. So thankfully in the UK, you can do a lot with kind of freelance based workers and, and a few of them have like freelance plus contracts. So they know that they are members of core team. So what I really want are three people, someone in sales, someone in strategy, someone in production who I can rely on. So someone to sell, someone to help me make decks and think, think about things and someone to actually make the stuff when the clients want to, us to make the stuff. And then these three pillars have their own teams depending on the project. So it's like I have, um, you know, a guy in Croatia, a guy in Ukraine, and a girl in, uh, let's say, Ireland. A mm -hmm. um, bunch of people also in the US. And then it's like, when we have a project, I know I can rely on them to like, help me find the right people to, to execute. Um, so yeah, but I, I think that, you know, just from the employer standpoint, like don't hire too quickly um, on an actual like salary, just because, you know, sometimes because I had a, um, you know, a quarter when it was like, like everything's working so well, like it's unbelievable. I, I already like saw myself, you know, like anyways. Um, and then there's another quarter that's like not that unbelievable. Uh, so it's good that I didn't on that high, I didn't go like global hiring around, Krimenko is taking over. And then it's like, we're out of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So now it's like, okay, like we're, we're still a relatively small shop that charges a lot. What kind of services do you offer? Like, is it across the board? Um, I know it's like social projects and stuff, mm -hmm. but like, do you have different packages or services mm -hmm. or is it like one thing that you offer to all clients? Like it's, it's super ad hoc. What we like to do is we like to start a project and see it to the end. For example, if it's, let's say a problem that a big brand is solving and um, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a brand can be for profit, but they can be sold in a really interesting problem that we can, we can back. So it's like, let's say, without naming any names, let's say a food delivery service wants to solve a problem of uh, uh, child uh, and teenage obesity, right? Uh -huh. So we want to take it from that very beginning and then figure out the best way to communicate it to people. So it's like, if all that we're gonna do is we're gonna do strategy and catch up calls with, let's say the production company who are our partners, we will do that. If we think that we are best place to produce it, then I will hire someone to shoot, someone to edit, and then we will shoot and edit. But the way we approach it is, is just solve a problem through communications so that we need to talk about this thing. How do we best talk about it? If it's, if I see that it just has to be a series of workshop with the client and they actually have all the expertise in house, that's, that can be one of my favorite kind of projects because yeah. then it's like very chilled out. You get to speak to people who are really okay passionate but also knowledgeable about their thing so you don't have to build a team to learn the business 
and then you just catch up with the client and then they a lot of the times they have the resources to produce it in-house yeah. um, most of the stuff that we do is digital but now we've dabbled in uh, like billboard stuff really? like that was pretty it's interesting like some direct marketing how's that going in India yeah in India also um, I don't know we will see the thing is <laughs> unlike digital measuring the, the impact of a billboard is really difficult or of a leaflet is really impressions because it's like people walking oh. down the street or looking yeah at but them. also like we we go even further than that like we have kind of hit the wall with with impressions and reach because obviously as you know clients are asking like okay all of these people are watching like yeah. what do they do and in a lot of our stuff we are looking for a behavior change we're not looking for a conversion. How do you measure behavior change? Like, how do you measure that as a metric from campaigns yeah. that are digital? Um, we, I can't speak about, you can um, collaborate with social media platforms to help you understand yeah. how the content, so for example, social platforms always test, um, like, are you enjoying this content? Would you like to see more of that like content? Survey, like for example, survey. for example, you can do a survey. That's kind of hard to lock in. Uh, but you can do something that's close to it, which is you have some paid media mm -hmm. targeted against the content that they've seen, and you can ask questions in there, for example, like, after watching this account, have you changed your mind about a certain thing? Do you um, have, like, do you have a process? Because I know you said, like, it can be ad hoc, so some of it might be, like, done with you while you're doing consulting in the workshops, and the other stuff is, like, you're running digital campaigns on behalf of clients that I'm guessing are, like, more paid than organic? Um, or is it a combination? I don't know. Like sometimes like a one-off strategy session can be very well paid for the time spent mm -hmm. because like, okay, so if you think about, let's say, let's say 40K a month to, you know, be an agency for this particular project of a certain client, then if you think about that, the time that you put in uh, is a lot. The stress is pretty high. Team, all of that stuff. Opportunity Catching cost. up. With, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like all of this time that you're using, you're not spending on like a 5K per workshop thing mm -hmm. that I can just roll in, in like just at home, like wake up and be like, hi guys, that's it. Um, you know, so sometimes I think about that, but you know, to me, it's just much more, like I learned so much through these like longer, like proper agency um, yeah. projects than when it's just me saying the same thing and being more in the role of like, rah 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 rather than like the work yeah um so yeah but i think you know for a long time i thought that it was the biggest brand who paid the most um i've learned that's not the case but it's usually the biggest brand brands who are the most interesting to work with at least for me maybe it's a bias of like you know agency people especially kind of traditional advertising really like to throw out like oh coca-cola and sometimes i find myself like we work with that da, 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 da. but usually like even us we would do a very small thing so like i worked with elton john but in reality we did like one campaign for that <laughs> yeah. particular but at the at the end of the day it's like okay we work with elton john who did you work? exactly um so it's like there is that in terms of how much things are paid uh, it's like a little bit all over the place um, a little bit all over the place. Like there's like some, some clients is expect a lot, uh, for a little money when they, they put us into the SMMA field. Mm -hmm. And I'm very clear that like, we have nothing to do with the SMMA field. Like we don't run accounts. We don't do that stuff. We can find someone who will, or we can take over all of that process 
but it's like we would hire an SMM agency to help okay, us. Yeah. But I'm trying to make sure that the clients also understand like we are more like Madison Avenue, like advisory yeah. top level. Yeah, advisory top level and like just utilize partners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that for me was a big concern uh, in the beginning. Like I don't want anyone to think that we're SMM agency just because when I was inspired by advertising, I didn't think about like necessarily facebook ads like i don't even care which platform we do it on i don't even care if it's a social media platform like it's about communications like if you know we have expertise in certain like if social media dies like we will still have we can still make videos like make websites like we can we can do everything so i hope you enjoyed this episode if you found it valuable or at least a little bit entertaining be sure to like and subscribe on whichever platform you are either listening or viewing on and if you're feeling really generous then share it with a friend or two or all of them